dog days of podcasting, day 33, or bonus day number three. Today is Saturday, September 5th, 2020. Today's topic, the He Jiangku controversy. And yes, that's a Chinese name that I'm saying completely incorrectly. First off, I lied. I said today would be my last day. It's not. I came up with some additions to today. And if I talk about these and what I was going to talk about today, it would be too long. So today will be a little bit of this and that. And then tomorrow I'll get on to what I meant to talk about today. We'll see how that works out. Anyway, before we get to this controversy, uh, a couple of notes first. First of all, completely unrelated to anything in this series, I just realized that I have decided that I'm not going to ridicule Trump or Biden for their verbal gaffes and mispronunciations. I posted this on Facebook, by the way. Some of you saw it, maybe. Both of these guys are old. They're too old to be running for president, but that's another issue. And on top of that, Biden uh, was born with a stutter and really had to work to overcome that. And I'm sure it still sometimes comes out. The point is, I personally would hate to be evaluated solely on my ability to speak well, especially when speaking in public or when reading or when doing or <laughs> see, there you go. Or when doing a podcast episode. Although in my case, it might be accurate. Yes, I'm aware that I said composer yesterday instead of composer. Uh, I also constantly stumble over simple words. I use improper grammar. Even though I've written it correctly, I will then use improper grammar when saying it. I lose my place, and at times I just drone on and on. As far as these two politicians goes, go, as far as they go, there are plenty of reasons to find them objectionable. So there's no reason to pick on their speech imperfections. The content of what they are saying is much more important than their eloquence. Not that I don't enjoy hearing an eloquent speaker. Second little topic here, uh, regarding yesterday's episode, which was 30, episode 32, I guess, about the smallpox vaccine, I put a little bit of, of, about that on Facebook, and my friend Aneta, who grew up in Poland, provided a picture of the scar from her BCG vaccine, the tuberculosis vaccine. As mentioned in episode 29, in the U.S., the TB vaccine was never required, but it was or is required in many other places. So that's why she got it in Poland. And I didn't know this. It's administered similarly to the smallpox vaccine via, via a bifurcated needle and a whole bunch of poking in your deltoid. So that's why you end up with a little scar. And also my friend Crystal got the BCG vaccine, the tuberculosis, tuberculosis, tuberculosis vaccine in Canada in the mid-70s as well. So there you go. Pretty interesting. Also, my friend Steve said he got the smallpox vaccine when entering the U.S. Army in 1984. So that was interesting to me after I was reading that smallpox was eradicated officially by 1980 and that the U.S. didn't inoculate anyone with smallpox anymore. However, it seems that, that not only did they give him the vaccine in 1984, 
But according to health.mil, that's a official military website, I believe, about health, I assume, they still vaccinate against, they still vaccinate against smallpox if you may be stationed in certain parts of the world. On the FDA website, I read this. FDA-licensed live attenuated smallpox vaccine with the proprietary name ACAM2000 for active immunization, immunization against smallpox disease for persons determined to be at high risk for smallpox infection. The vaccine is manufactured by Sanofi Pasteur Biologics Company in Cambridge, Massachusetts, the, the approval and availability of the second-generation smallpox vaccine in the strategic national stockpile enhances the emergency preparedness of the United States against the use of smallpox as a dangerous biological weapon. I knew about this smallpox uh, vaccine stockpile, but I think maybe I've failed to mention it in any of the episodes. Okay, finally, today to this controversy. I really messed up, speaking of not speaking well, I really messed up two days ago in episode 31 when I was trying to explain why the genetic engineering experiment of a Chinese researcher, He Jiangku, was so criticized. This was when I was talking about using CRISPR to insert genes into AAV retroviruses and infecting cells to correct gene defects. And that this has been done in the case of muscular dystrophy. And that this is in further trials. That's all well and good. Very fantastic, wonderful research. However, regarding the research of He Jiangku, embryos were edited in an attempt to confer genetic resistance to HIV. So yes, at first glance, it's like he was trying to do a good thing. The clinical project was conducted secretly until... November 25th, 2018, when MIT Technology Review exposed the the story about it. Compelled by the situation, he he immediately, he Jiangku, immediately announced the birth of genome-edited babies in a series of five videos on YouTube the same day. Excuse me. The first babies, known by their pseudonyms Lulu and Nana, are twin girls born October 2018, and the second birth, or the third baby, was born in 2019. He reported that the babies were born healthy. But after some investigation, by December 19, by December 2019, Chinese authorities announced that he was found guilty of forging documents and unethical conduct. He was sentenced to three years in prison with a fine of 430,000 U.S. dollars. He Jiangku has been variously referred to as a rogue scientist, China's Dr. Frankenstein, and a mad genius. So this was a part I really kind of screwed up. Why was he so criticized for this work? These are reading about five or six different articles. Uh, this is what I gathered. Number one, it was done secretly. This is not how university science using government money should work. And it implies he knew what he was doing was, at the very least, controversial. Two, these were not sick people he experimented on. These were, as far as anyone knew, perfectly healthy embryos. This is not someone with muscular dystrophy who is going to die. 
without help, without treatment. Everyone understands that, or pretty much, I would say 99.9% of people understand doing an experiment on someone who's going to die young, all right? This is not what was happening. These babies are, in essence, the first designer babies, and everyone knows how how controversial that is. Everyone's heard of this. While I have, personally, I have zero doubt that designer babies will be a normal thing in decades to come. This unapproved experiment at this time was not the way to start things off. There is still much to learn before experimenting on embryos. Scientists are actually by nature cautious, not reckless, as this backlash backlash by many other scientists has shown. Maybe most significantly, number three, this is germline editing. I don't know what stage the embryo or embryos were at when he edited the cells. Was it just one cell, the fertilized egg? Were there two? Were there four? Were there eight? I don't know what stage it was, but my assumption is that every single embryonic cell was edited. Think about that. That means when these babies grow up, their sex cells, their egg or sperm, likely will include these modifications, which means so will, so will their children and their grandchildren and so on. None of these uh, humans to be can consent to this. In other words, he's created a whole new line of edited, genetically edited human beings. He has done this, and we cannot take it back unless these three people do not propagate, which would be pretty unfair to them to say they can't. Uh, This is not the case with the muscular dystrophy experiments, whereby non-sex cells were the target of the therapy, are the target of that therapy. Now, I agree, I don't understand how they get that good dystrophin gene into only the muscle cells of these patients, which are the ones that need it. Uh, But let's just say that in these uh, experiments with muscular dystrophy, that good dystrophin, dystrophin gene did get into the sex cells of those people and they reproduced. Even if that happened, yes, that, then that edited dystrophin gene is being passed down. But in that case, they're only passing down a gene normally present in humans. They're passing down to what we already know is a good gene, not an edited gene, all right? So again, I I truly believe, and I would bet big, big money, that germline editing will become very normal in the maybe not so distant future. But the research needs to proceed in baby steps out in the open for the right reasons for it to be safe and useful. Uh, Number four is possibly setting back research in the areas of CRISPR technology and gene editing. Gene editing. Uh, If you recall, in episode 10, I talked about the kind of unlucky case of a gene therapy patient who died in 1999, and I think it was a child to make things worse. And that set back gene therapy experiments for like two decades, or at least a decade and a half. It really caused problems. So this guy pulling this stunt could cause similar uh, problems in uh, gene therapy research, at least for CRISPR and uh, technology and this type of gene editing. Finally, there were some other ethical issues surrounding what he did. Uh, People are not convinced he got proper consent from the parents. Uh, The parents may not have understood what they were doing, uh, as well as could there be side effects? These babies 
now have this gene that we don't 100% know for sure will or will not cause side effects. Again, you put it in a normal dystrophin gene into someone, we already know what it does and that it shouldn't have side effects by putting that into a person who has a mutated copy of it. This is different. This guy now has put in a, a, a gene that normal people don't have into healthy babies. Could be side effects. Anyway, there you go. Kind of a rant, it sounded like I was doing there, right? But I, I'm, I'm pretty pissed off at this guy. It was not a smart thing to do. Okay, that's it for today. Tomorrow, we'll see. I promise. <laughs> I shouldn't say I promise. I'm saying now that I promise. Tomorrow will be the last day, unless something else comes up. Bye-bye.